Hi guys, we've got um, Ando on today. He's a host his own podcast. It's Burn Babylon Burn forward slash the Doom Kitchen. So check that out on YouTube. And yeah, Ando, do you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself and why your channel has two different names? Oh, well, so Burn Babylon Burn is it's kind of more like a topical news show, just whatever's going on in the week. We just pick it apart. I usually I I, I used to do it completely with one guy, but now I, I rotate the guests on that um, kind of started doing that after I spun off the Doom Kitchen. The Doom Kitchen was just interviews and and deep dives, conversations, stuff like that. Just, you know, we'll just take a subject every now and then and, and go into it. A lot of times, whatever subject we intended on, we, we don't even get into it. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so th there's the new show and then there's the kind of, I guess, talk show. Right, okay. How long have you been doing Burn Babylon Burn for? Uh, I think, let's see, the first one was uh, January 21. And we were we were doing them just whenever we felt like, and then I I got it to be a weekly thing after a while, and then you know, uh, and now it's now everything is just you know I I I can't juggle my job with this, so it it comes out when it comes out. You get what you get. Yeah. So what was it that um what made you want to set up a podcast slash YouTube channel? Well, I listen to shows all the time. I uh, I drive for a living, truck driver, uh, hence the reason I'm in a truck right now. Um, but yeah, uh, I listen to shows all day long, and I guess I guess really what I uh, I don't spend a whole lot of time watching news or or reading or any of the things that I should be doing. But I'm I'm getting an idea of what's really going on from a bunch of perspectives that I enjoy. Yeah, so you said that you set up Burn, Baby, Burn Babylon Burn um, in 2021, which is sort of well, slap bang in the middle of the pandemic. Was it sort of, pan and I don't want to say pandemic inspired, but I mean, uh, that sort of woke a lot of people up, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I was not going to do anything because I think that there's enough stuff out there. And I was at the, uh, the Tom Woods, uh, 2000th episode and I'm out front smoking and I met this, uh, I met mud out there and, and he's talking to me about it. And then he's, he says, we got to do a show. And I'm like, nah, there's plenty of shows and everybody's, everybody's doing shows. So, uh, one day I was driving and he, he's, like, hey, when do you finish driving today? Probably an hour or two. Well, let's do a show. And so we started recording. Uh, the The first one we were actually talking about the uh, uh, about the Ukraine situation. Um, I got into that one a lot. So yeah, I think it's similar to well, how me and Aaron set it up because um, I know prior to the pandemic we would talk about a lot of stuff and be interested in a lot of stuff, but we always would have just thought. Yeah, there's enough shows out there. Why would we do one? Uh, have that in our back of our mind. But at the end of the day, it's like the shows, obviously for the audience. But as much as it's for the audience, it's also for us as well. It's a way. It's sort of like an excuse for us to talk to people like yourself and just get on a call and talk things over. And obviously, we can archive it nicely and put it all out there. But it's a, it's a, 
it feels like a great sort of motivator to keep going and keep learning about the world and because yeah it was similar to you we well i'm a desk worker but all day at my desk i'm constantly listening to other people talk on podcasts i don't really listen to mainstream news and that's where i acquired a lot of my knowledge about the world is just from listening to other people's conversations so i 100 percent agree what sort of would you say the main differences are in the world today from before the pandemic to now like how do you see the difference how is life even for yourself how is life for you now in comparison to how it was before the pandemic well, even now we're seeing a lot of things, I, I guess, come back. There was that just the way the way the news was during that time. And they're they're constantly trying to scare you. And of course, when you're like us, you know that it's a scam. But that presentation, they I, I think that they realize that they have to shelf that for the next scam that they run because they were always so serious. And this is such a life or death this and that and just you know and the idea that of dividing everybody the way that um so many things came out during that time uh my family member will not take the thing or you know or this person believes that about this how to you know how to deal with people and and so they cut a whole bunch of friends off during that that whole situation and and the media was very complicit in it yeah um i feel like with the way the media was then it because it, to a large degree it worked what the media were trying to do it did work i know it did wake a lot of people up but a lot of people that did wake up do fall back asleep quite easily because of just the way the manipulation works um and you kind of see it you can see it as you've um said that you talk about it. you saw it quite easily with the ukraine war that because it's a war and everyone takes it at face value that wars are bad they played on that so easily and so well from like the get-go um but for yeah the, the likes of us who are um more awake than a lot of people i sort of took it in stages where i was like yeah war's bad but what's actually going on and then you see a little bit more information come out then a little bit more then a little bit more then a little bit more and now you sort of what was it that came out the other day that um they accidentally sent six billion dollars to Ukraine accidentally. Well, that's insane. Um, that that could even be an accident. Yeah, they just find extra money all the time. Uh, you you can tell though what with this especially that this is what the over government, the government over uh, all of the governments really wants to do because of one who's pushing it all of the the same people that are that are for you know they were for the covid agenda they're for the trans agenda they're all for the same stuff you know they uh as some people put it they support the current thing and um and they've got their people they've got i i mean uh, the weirdest thing about all this is is um the way the internet has gotten you've got uh there's a troll farm of of kids that dress up with doge and and blindly support nato and i i mean th this is the new generation of warfare where where we're seeing this kind of stuff happen in front of us yeah i find especially with the ukraine war i find it so confusing because the mainstream narratives one thing but then you're listening to 
alternative media or independent sources. And sometimes I don't know whether they're just spouting out Russian propaganda. And I don't know where where the actual truth lies. It obviously lies somewhere in the middle, but where is it more on that side or more on our side, or more on the mainstream media side? You just you just don't know. Yeah, uh, that's that's kind of hard because I I know some things apparently have slipped into the alternative media that that uh, are supposed Russian talking points, and you know I I decided that I don't care if you know if, if whatever I'm doing is against the uh, the globalist regime if it's if it's against what Klaus Schwab really wants or uh, or you know Valerie Newland and and her gang of neocons. If it's against what they want, then, you know, I don't I don't care if I'm I, I don't think that there's anything really even wrong with it. I mean, th- this this country spouts propaganda 24 seven. If you know, uh, if I'm doing just regular news, I'm spouting United States propaganda by accident. Yeah, because it's sort of like instilled in you without you even realizing that, that it is. Um, and that's from what from birth, basically, because you go through. Um, an upbringing from your parents who have had education in the US and then you go through education yourself. So it's sort of instilled with you. And I guess it takes a minute to like pop out of that vacuum because it's a bit of a weird feeling, right? Like when, when was it that you would say you woke up in general? I mean, I've woken up and gone back to sleep a few times. <laughs> um, back in uh, Back in 2003, I worked in radio and um and someone introduced me to alex jones and so i got really deep into the 9-11 stuff and i i was it's funny because i was already a libertarian at that time i i no longer consider myself one but um but yeah i was i i was in that stuff i was working in media and then i'm learning about 9-11 an event that happened while i was working radio news so i was a, a producer a a board operator while while it was going on it did it didn't happen during my shift it, i was i was relieving the morning person whose shift that it happened on it was actually a an easy day uh there was you know everybody was kind of in panic mode in the newsroom but the network pretty much covered everything but i, I remember watching building seven fall and i turned to one of the anchors and they said that seems weird that one wasn't on fire it didn't get hit by a plane that's kind of weird and he said a lot of weird stuff happened today and so i i i was always had some sort of suspicion and then i started getting into all the 9-11 documentaries at that time and eventually you know i i kind of went real deep got into the to the david ike stuff and um and decided that i you know i really just had to get out of the united states and in about 2005, I, I kind of shelved all of this stuff and went off to live in New Zealand. Um, and when I came back, I uh, spent many years trying to stay outside of the system. So I didn't really pay attention to the system. And uh, and I, I think that was actually really blue pilling and um, maybe necessary because I was getting a little a little wild back then. And uh <laughs> And so I, um, you know, I, I had some ideas at that time that I would consider left libertarian today. And I would, re- you know, if it came down to it right now, I would I would be arguing with my former self on a lot of things, especially about 
about, you know, the things that cause cultural decline. And plus, you know, at that time, um, I, you know, I hadn't found Jesus at that time. And that's, that's what I, I really think that, you know, as a, as somebody that's getting into all of this stuff, that is really one, you know, he's our only comfort in this situation you know, if, if you don't have Jesus, this whole thing is a black pill because, uh, we're going to have a really hard time. And even if, you know, the tides turn in some way, all the damage that's done is it, it, it's going to be a miserable situation no matter what. Yeah, I think that is definitely true with the religion or spirituality aspect of it, because, um, well, when me and Aaron started this, we were in no way religious or I would say even spiritual. Like we, I well, personally, I consider myself, I considered myself interested in spirituality, but I wouldn't by any means call myself spiritual at that time. But the more you sort of, the more we talk to people and the more we found out sort of the, the dark gloomy side of the world, it seemed like the more you learned about the darkness, the more light was opening up on sort of like the other half of your mind. Um, and then through just conversation to conversation, I was like, there's no other, there's, there's, com there's no alternative to the darkness apart from the fact that there is a God and many people, um, perceive God in many different ways, but it all sort of factors into a similar sort of message that there is, um, a higher being, a higher power than yourself. And yeah, I think it's like spot on definitely where I'm at in my journey at the moment. Uh, you need to attach yourself to something like that. It, it definitely like multiple effects if you're going to be attaching yourself to the to the dark gloom of, uh, of the world. But there was a guy that we spoke to not long ago called Brandon. I don't know if you've heard of um, Escaping Reality. I hadn't I hadn't checked that one out. Uh, okay, so um, he's he's well. He he gave us a really good conversation at a really good sort of moment in both of our lives where he helped us realize that the spirituality side of it is like you need to find the good in all the evil that's happening and find a balance between the two. So then the way we now look at anything that's going on, or the way we're tr trying to get to a level where we can look at anything that's going on, either good or bad, we sort of take the good and bad away from it and just see see it for what it is and see it for what the experience is and what we can learn from it and how we can progress as sort of better beings from the things that are happening. And I'm trying to Im implement that more definitely when I'm looking at the World Economic Forum, because that is, stuff is, well, it's crazy and it's happening right in front of us and right under our feet. So it is quite a challenging moment. Um, but yeah, like I, I definitely just want to say, like, I agree with you hundred percent on having that religious side or spiritual side with you on, on your journey. And, uh, definitely take you to where you need to go. Yeah, because I think when you focus too much on the globalists and WEF and what their agenda is, it just gives you such a bleak outlook of what's going to happen in the future. But if you can sort of ch shift your focus and focus on the good and the spiritual aspect of life, it just feels like you know what's going on in the real world, like in the physical world but you know this light at the end of the tunnel or this light there. So it gives you that sort of sense of hope and freedom. Yeah, uh, noticing what they're attacking is is really the thing. And so, you know, uh, we going back to the Ukraine thing, uh, they're attacking Putin. You saw how they attacked Trump. Um, 
you saw how how when y'all were uh y'all are in england i i'm i'm thinking right and y'all remember when brexit happened and uh bolsonaro uh basically anyone that that's national na nationalism is being attacked and you know it and it's kind of okay well uh, I I know Corbett just had a recent episode with Ernie Hancock where he says that it's just a precursor to to globalism, but I think that they can't for some reason they can't manage it because it is uh, you know it it is a governmental system and you know it's got its flaws for sure, but at the same time it is pro the people so the people within that that state are being pushed out of everybody else and it could be at the expense of the world but they don't give a flying F because, you know, like that if they did, they would be globalists. So um, when you, you look at the the global globalism and the intricacies of it, um, you know, like what's going on in, in France and Belgium right now is something that that is that was put in motion whenever they started the EU. And how did they start the EU? They just started it without telling anybody. And then they had a formal agreement. And then, you know, a few years later, they celebrate 50 years of the EU and they're like, hey, uh, this was only a few years ago. How are you celebrating 50? And they're like, well, you know, it, it really happened around then. But the EU was designed to, you know, to destroy the, the cultures of Europe. Mm. Do you think with the uh, globalist powers uh, and what they're sort of doing, because the way I see it is they've... Um... How could I explain this? So they've kept the card close to their chest, um, but they've laid out a card here and there. And what it feels like since the pandemic and all the other sort of things that have transpired from them is they've just sort of chucked all the cards down and said, look, this is what we're doing. We've been teasing you with it here and there. But it begs me to think that they've been putting these cards down, leaving us to see how we all react and then been like, no, oh, yeah, they forget about it after a couple of years. And they've seen that happen multiple times. Oh, we'll put another card down. Oh, they all forget about it. Do you think they've just thought, well, let's just, now's the right time? Um, well, it's kind of like a two-sided question. So do you think they've put them all down thinking it's the right time? And it's not the right time? Because it certainly feels like there will be a revolution that would happen from this if they were to do this at this time. But then at the same time, on another side of me, uh, feels like, hang on, it might be the right time because if you look at the way the sort of progressive movements like the LGBTQ are actually flying, then you sort of it makes you think maybe maybe they have timed this correctly because people are listening to what they want want them to do. I I I don't know what they're doing. I think that they all they all have this this agenda, and it's it's you know it it what the main goal of it all is is uh it seems like it's depopulation on a lot of these things and so you've got you know you've got endocrine disruptors and fabric softeners you've got uh all the uh things that are ending up in the water you've got the things that the the medical pharma industry is dumping into things the uh, agriculture um it, it it's a multi-front thing and then it's also cultural and they're promoting homosexuality openly while that that is you know that leads to depopulation then you know they're uh they're ruining relationships with this porn industry they're every single road leads to the same thing and you know that that was all the club of rome agenda 
Sorry, can you expand on the Club Club of Rome agenda? Uh, the Club of Rome wants to, uh, you know, is it's designed to depopulate. I could get you some of their documents if uh, if you give me a second. Um, go ahead and and chat for a little bit, and I'll, I'll uh, give you the the purpose or whatever. Yeah, no, no problem. Um, yeah, because um, I forgot who it was we were talking to. Uh, oh, it was um, Loomis, right? He was talking about the UN's um, sustainable goals. And one of them was depopulation. But when you look at the rest of their goals, uh, that's like the wild card, right? That's the wild one where it's depopulation. And everyone's like, well, when you look at the rest of them, they all seem like, oh, these are good for the earth. These are good for the earth. Uh, these are good for human population. But then when you actually look into the ones you think are good, they're actually contributing towards depopulation. In yeah, it all leads to that one, yeah. one point in um, in crazy ways. He said as well, what was the organization that he talked about where they predicted a 50% decrease in population by 2025? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of information on this. This was uh, uh, back in, I want to say it was the 70s. Paul Ehrlich wrote the uh, population bomb. And so then, you know, it goes back even before that to, to Lord Malthus and... Uh, Mal, uh, you know, they call it Malthusian whenever you're talking about these depopulation things. You know, I'm a truck driver. I'm all over the country. Uh, and I would say that it's definitely not uh, overpopulated. There's, <laughs> you know, the, the people that think it's overpopulated, they must just live in cities and uh, and see, you know, because when you're crammed together in a city, then you do see the you see the uh, repercussions of being around too many people. And so I can see how city dwellers have this idea that we're overpopulated. And then the promotion of scarcity on everything. Oh, we're going to run out of this. Water's not going to be clean. Air's not going to be clean. And, you know, all the, uh, all the things that they come from that. And then you, uh, then you add in the, uh, the climate factor that they're trying to, to slam on us at this point. It all really all leads down the same road that they want less people Less people are easier for them to manage, and they think that they can accomplish this a lot easier now that there's artificial intelligence, and they can use that to, you know, to get things from one place to another, or you know, run whatever things that they don't need uh, a subservient class to do. Um, and that, I mean, that's all of us. We're the, you know, the working class people. We're the subservient class to the empire. So, you know, they're trying to eliminate us and they think that their computers can do that and their robotics and all of their their silly inventions. Um, it, I, I'm interested in seeing that backfire on them. But the problem with that is that they actually have to depopulate us first for that to happen. Is it true that you can fit the whole of the world population in the state of Texas? I don't know. I I wouldn't want I wouldn't want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Texas, so I would definitely not like to see the whole world there. Uh, but uh, yeah, it it doesn't really take that much space for for a person to live, you know. Um, and and you can see these these high towers and things like that and places. You they've got that thing coming to uh, I, I believe it's Saudi Arabia that they call it the line. 
and it's this this long uh condo basically and and uh, you can go from one side of it to the other with uh, the high speed rail that's in it um but yeah that that's really what they want for us you you can see that coming out with their 15 minute city ideas is that you know um because they can't manage all of this stuff with uh you know while they're purposefully trying to uh get rid of us that that's why they're trying to replace so many things with robotics well, my question um, to the population is, what, what, like, why, why have they got to be so sort of savage with it? Why do they need to? Because when China did the one-child policy, that was to try and depopulate, right? There were way too many people there. But that's a bit more of a uh, less aggressive way, right? Because you're not murdering millions of people in crazy <laughs> different ways. I don't know. Do, like, do you have any thoughts around why they've decided to go down this savage fast track route rather than in a bit well, it's it's not it's not all savage. It, it you know, like like I said, they're culturally tricking us into it ourselves. You know, I I'm 43 and I don't have kids, and you know, I I fell right into their psyop. Um, but they they've you know they've promoted this in so many ways right down to just the, the general relationships between men and women and, uh, and hookup culture and just really, you know, the promotion of, of vice and all of the, the things that go with that. So, uh, so that, that's the soft kill and, uh, and there's soft, softer, and then there's the hard one, but you know, uh, that one's really war. And that's why that, you know, they always have these wars going and, and they send off, you know, the, the healthiest, fittest people to the meat grinder all the time. Well, I guess they're promoting it in a way where the change in the culture to make it feel, so to make society feel like they're making the decision, not the government or people's in power. Whereas when the China said, Oh, you can only have one kid. People like, why are you taking away my freedom to have as many kids as I want? Whereas this way you've been manipulated by the media to think, well, to promote homosexuality and hookup culture, like you said, Ando. So the, it makes it feel like it's your choice, not the government or not the powers that be your choice. Mm. Yeah, that does make a lot of sense. Um, because it's everywhere. It's all, in, all the ends that we, we've had this discussion on the pod before when I can't, I love movies, but I just can't watch any recent movies that come out because you can just see the underlying message behind them all you need to be it's obviously weaken the men that's the one of the messages that they portray in a lot of them um and i'm not saying it in a way where like women shouldn't be put on the pedestal where they where they can be a lead act um, actress as a superhero or whatever that can happen but you've not got to devalue men on that on the way um and then the other the other side of it is there's so many things I've watched recently where I, I'm within the opening three to five minutes, there's either a lesbian scene, a gay scene, or something of that sort of nature. So it's, it is getting embedded into us. Even in like, uh, was it a Buzz Lightyear film? They had a gay kissing scene in there, didn't they? That's yeah. For yeah. Uh, the, you know, and I've uh, spent, I guess, a, a lot of my uh my 20s and 30s 
in, you know, a party scene hanging out with, with people that, you know, that have, uh, have lifestyles like that. I've got a lot of gay friends or at least have had, um, uh, some of them probably wouldn't talk to me these days that that's fine with me. But, you know, one of, one of my older friends, uh, understands whenever what I say, you know, whenever I tell him this stuff and he's, he's actually pretty well against the, uh, the crazy trans agenda right now. That's, you know, um, and a lot of people have made the great point that, you know, the trans agenda plays into the transhumanist agenda, which, you know, all plays into the anti-human agenda. Um, it, it leads to what they, they call post-humanism. So, um, and yeah, uh, I'm, I'm for life continuing on and, you know, it, it, whatever they're trying to provoke, you know, if, if that ends up being, you know, being something from revelation, then, you know, then so be it. Uh, I'm really hoping that this is just another tower of Babel moment where it's just, you know, build it up and get it knocked down because that's, you know, that's what needs to happen. Yeah. Yeah. We all, I think, a lot of people are hoping that it's just one of those moments. Um, earlier, you would you mentioned like how they're going to use AI um, to obviously contribute towards depopulation. What sort of methods do you think they could use with AI? Well, it's it's in everything, and the funny part is that um, I, I'm seeing that it's uh, it they're using it now in order to uh, to help doctors and uh and so okay doctors uh, that's a pretty you know special job that's that's something that a lot of people would aspire to to make a ton of money and now if they're going to get replaced by ai you know they're they're talking about replacing us as far as truck drivers go um i've i've seen their self-driving experiments the battery part of that is not going to work that's something that uh is absolutely not going to work that's that's going to be a huge mess and uh in a few years from now we're gonna be laughing at the fact that we tried to uh tried to run all of these things off batteries um and it, that that'll be kind of the joke of this generation i think is that that we tried to stick batteries into massive vehicles hauling massive freight and that it it'll go like 10 miles and need a recharge <laughs> it's not gonna go anywhere yeah, with well, with AI replacing jobs, um, it's obviously going to lead to massive un unemployment. But then I've heard a, a lot of people talk about it in two ways. Like it can either be, uh, well, it can either lead to like great depression with everyone because they'll have no value in the world. Uh, but then people use like, oh, it will um, inspire creativity, which I was on board with to begin with. But recently, I've sort of thought. No, it's not like the the world as we see it is not set up for anyone to be creative, really, unless you go out of your way to be creative. And the masses amount of people that are out there today, if their jobs were to be taken off them, they wouldn't themselves go and be like, OK, I need to find something creative because a lot of people are a sort of robots to the system anyway, where they need to be told what to do. I need to go to school, go to university, get a job in an office. That's what everyone knows that they need to do. And that's fine. That works. They get financial reward from it and then they can go and party or do whatever they need to do with the money. But take that job out of them, uh, then you probably wouldn't really need education. You'd probably get a different sort of education, I'm guessing. But 
then they push them out into the open world give them a check every um month a thousand dollars or pounds or two thousand or whatever you need to survive off all they're going to do is go and play video games watch netflix and eat crappy food that's it so i, I struggle to see where <laughs> unless the infrastructure is built for people to be creative innovative and come out with these new crazy uh, uh, inventions that, that probably would benefit the world instead it's going to see the opposite where people are just going to deteriorate um, in their own rooms everything great has happened because somebody wanted to struggle you know like the you know new frontiers have been found uh you know adventure things like that that, that all comes from struggle and sure you know a job would will would get in the way of that and um and if you know if the they will they this is happening this is gonna happen it will be some sort of ubi thing they you know they started uh throwing out the trial balloons a few years ago on that and uh and we already have it in in some cases uh but if you look at populations that have you know have their resources dumped on them and they're usually subpar resources uh they don't really you don't see anything great coming from them uh i mean look i mean welfare is uh another kind of soft kill it's like a kill them with kindness thing oh we're gonna take care of all your problems but you know but nobody's doing anything special or innovative and uh and then they're left with all that free time that turns into you know something that that doesn't make the world a better place yeah i think you guys definitely see it in america the same way we see it in the uk because when we've got people what we call on benefits which is the same thing um as you guys have there when you see them areas that are populated with um people on benefits they've got uh, alcohol shops betting shops pubs all of the sort of um i don't know how you would sum them up but negative businesses around them but then when you go to places that are populated with people that I would say uh, how we would probably call them in the past, but maybe middle class, upper class, um, they would have sort of like nice yoga places around them. They would have fresh um, grocers and stuff like that around. Um, so you can already see how they've got, like if we, if we want to use that example as like the UBI system already in place, all they've done in, in, in terms of manipulation is, okay, your local store, sells a lot of alcohol next door to that. You can go and gamble on sports because that's all you're probably going to be doing most of the time is watching sports. So they've already set up their infrastructure in terms of like a 15 minute city already where people can just go and deteriorate themselves. And as Aaron was saying, and make it their choice. And that's the, I think that's a key sort of takeaway from it is it's put in a way where it's their choice, but it's not their choice. It's been fabricated completely. Yeah, they, they, it makes you think that you, that's what you really want to do. And, and, you know, I, I spent a lot of years in, in pubs. So, uh, and, you know, I, I was working at the same time, but man, yeah, it, you don't really accomplish anything if that's what you're doing. It's just, you know, day to day to, to, you know, enjoy your vice. Uh, I've dealt with, you know, I, I had a relationship with, uh, with a, an addict. And that was really rough seeing that that day to day just to get get a vice. It doesn't get people anywhere. We need, you know, what what's funny is because all of these things that are happening is it's going to make us better. Um, you know, those that make us through it. Um, 
you know, they're, they played some big cards. They've got bigger cards in store. This is, you know, um, it, it's, it's constant bombardment, you know, it, uh, every time you look up, there's something, you know, something new to panic about. And, uh, and people are getting even complacent to that, which is interesting as well. You know, just, I, I think that that might even be something that they're modeling into us is to, you know, uh, because we're so used to, oh, hey, there's this big news story and you got to freak out about it. And that calms down a little bit. And then something else is is already there to freak everybody out. Um, I think eventually we'll all be desensitized to their nonsense. Um, but that that's probably playing into an agenda that they have anyway. Do, do you think with... The growing people who are awakening and becoming desensitized to the mainstream narrative and the people who are so fixated on the mainstream narrative and you can't, you can say anything to them and you can't change their mind. Do you think the people who are awakening will end up setting up like a parallel society or economy next to the people who are away from, as far away from as possible, hopefully, um, but... Yeah, so like a parallel economy or a society just away from all of that where we can just like live a normal life. Yeah, I, I think that has to happen. And uh, in a lot of ways, what we're doing right now is part of it. Um, and, you know, and th this is just minimal. You know, we're we're replacing we're replacing something that doesn't isn't really necessary. We're replacing their media. Um and you know as somebody that that went to school for media we don't really need it uh everybody in media thinks that they're so important um <laughs> we're not uh, we're just you know um but there's you know definitely that that has to happen if if that doesn't happen then we're we're doomed so uh look at it like this you know get get yourself somewhere away from the metropolis because that's where most of the tyranny is going to be coming down from and uh and then find ways to be less and less reliant on them and you know that that's really hard for me in the industry that i'm in but i think that's what everybody has to do if they want to make it to the next step which you might might not even like the next step because it you know it it it's probably going to be some hardship you probably won't have access to the luxuries that we have now yeah i think that's a key point in it um because we've spoken about it before and when you when you do think of this new economy being set up it's not going to be as convenient as the economy the society the system that we're in today but then you've got to remember that the convenience that they're giving us is the killer in at the end of it so that's one thing people need to bear in mind that where the luxuries of convenience might feel good they're not good they're not good at all um they're, they're probably the, off, the complete opposite um i've got a quick question so you've touched on being in media and then obviously you're a truck driver what what's the reason for that transition like is that you just got sick of media <laughs> uh back back then when I, I was telling you earlier uh about um when i was listening to Alex Jones all the time, I was still working in, in mainstream news radio. And uh, it, it's funny because we have monitors where you can listen to other stuff. 
while the show's going on. And I've got Rush Limbaugh on the radio and I'm playing the commercial breaks for it while at the same time I'm listening to Alex Jones or David Icke or, you know, or one of the guys from from back in the uh, early 2000s, whenever a ton of people woke up then, you know, that was that was the a real big moment. I I had to drop out of it then. And, you know, I guess like at this point, I, I would say I'm I'm better equipped for it or at least older and and have a uh you know i'm not as overwhelmed and thinking you know thinking that people that i'm talking to might be lizard people you know um because <laughs> you know uh yeah I, I i found ways to uh to spot the people that i shouldn't be talking to as well that that you know um and i don't know if they're lizards or not but there's something there is definitely something going on with people um uh, after that whenever I bailed out a radio was, uh, that was 2005, uh, 2006. And, uh, I went and lived in New Zealand for a year and then I came back and was, um, and just did a bike taxi. Uh, it's a three wheeled bike with a, uh, a carriage in the back for passengers. And, uh, and that was fine. Cause it's outside of the system. You know, it was, it wasn't anything that, um, that was official. It, you know, I didn't have a, a regular paycheck, anything like that. And you make as much as you work really. Um, so I thought that I was getting around everything by staying out of the system. And whenever, uh, whenever this, this, um, virus panic hit, cause it was really the panic. It wasn't the virus. Um, the panic hit and they shut down all the sports games, all the, uh, concerts, everything that I made money at. And I just thought, well, okay, well, what's needed? What, uh, what is something that is never going to go away? And, um, and I think it could go away with the, uh, with the AI stuff. I think really what, what's going to happen is that they're going to make it, they're just going to send everything on rail at, at some point. They, they might not even call it rail or it might not look like rail, but it's virtually going to be rail. They're going to, haul a huge amount of freight from one area and then it'll be distributed by, you know, by electric things. Maybe, maybe, um, I think that they're going to need a new power source for their, for their schemes, but yeah, uh, I just jumped into trucking at that point and I was already a traveler, you know, during that pedicab time, I was, uh, going all over the country with it, doing festivals and things like that. And, uh, and I've spent, time riding bikes across the country and uh hitchhiking and things like that so I'd, I'd already been good at traveling and i've kind of got the perfect job in this industry uh i work for a bigger company so whenever people quit or get fired they leave the equipment somewhere i go get it and bring it back so i'm already good at at you know living on the road so i end up in you know in airplanes and hotels all the time and that's you know it that's all like something that that I've I've been comfortable with for a really long time. Right. Okay. Cool. So yeah, I mean, w working in the system. Um, just to go on that point for a sec, because I think it is so hard to work outside the system. I would say it's probably next to impossible unless you build up a following. Um, well, somehow. But even to build up the following, you need to 
work the system to be able to build a following um in a in a quite a weird way so i mean for example like i work self-employed in in marketing and whereas originally i thought oh yeah i'm self-employed i must be out the system you soon realize that you're not out, <laughs> out of the system you're still in one way or another you, you constantly always contributing towards the system so um i guess it get, gets more and more exciting when you look at um, what Aaron was talking about with the um, sort of alternative society, because you're like, right, that's a new system where you can pick up and sort of plug yourself in there and feel more embedded, which will obviously will take time. But then it's like, well, who's going to um, lead this system or new society? Because we've all got major uh, trust issues. So um, I guess where I'm going with this is my question is around Elon Musk, because he seems to be the king of free speech but I, I i trusted him then i didn't trust him then i trusted him again now i just really don't trust him there's definitely something with that character which is off and i'm scared because a lot of people who have woken up are like right i'm awake let me get out of the system will look to elon musk and a lot i see a lot of people all look at elon musk like oh my god he's free speech king but they're running themselves into a different part of the same system I feel like. But what, what are your thoughts around that and, well, Elon Musk? Come. Well, we do need people like Elon Musk and we, we need somebody that says, well, hey, if, if, you know, this, if this thing that we think is good and Twitter's probably really not good, um, but this thing that we think is good is, is performing, performing bad, let's just buy it. If, you know, if we have people like that, then that's great. You know, and and uh, I am happier with Twitter now that he has it. I don't trust him at all is, you know, he's um, basically like he grew up rich. His father owns a diamond mine. His brother's into a, all of this, you know, uh, bug food kind of stuff is his mom is uh, she's some sort of weird occultist. And um, yeah, so uh, he wants to put brain chips in people. And that, you know, that that's a huge red flag. And, you know, uh, I've I've heard uh, people that, that I, I love and respect say that, you know, well, if it's from Milan, I, I I'll trust it. I'm like, dude, <laughs> come on. You know, you don't you don't want to trust that guy. Um, and that these people are also made so they 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 come up in these wealthy families a lot of times, but they're made too because, you know, like it. You know that that Facebook came from DARPA. It was LifeLog before it was Facebook, and then they they put Mark Zuckerberg in front of it. He was somebody that they created out of the blue, and then they've got Elon to front this Twitter thing because that's what he wants to do. And you know, cool, they're gonna have a cage match. And you know, I I really I don't care who wins. I hope both of them hurt each other a lot, <laughs> though. Um, but yeah, it's. It, it's uh, just is that actually happening. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 It, it's a publicity stunt. And, yeah. you know, um, it, it, I, I don't want to pay attention to it, but I also do. So, uh, you, you know, there, to, there's right? plenty of, yeah, there's junk food for our, our minds, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Think about that um, K fight. This would, must just be the, the way my thinking is now. But as soon as they announced it, I was like, everyone really needs to look at what else is going on in the world when that cage fight is taking place 
because they're planting it in right now to to do everything's leading to something big anyway so if they're trying to distract us with something crazy and just pretty much stupid then um something's gonna there's definitely gonna be something that that's going on in the world at that time <laughs> yeah maybe that'll be the day that bill gates releases the mosquitoes uh, <laughs> oh he's oh, he's already done that but <laughs> Oh, uh, oh, we could probably go to Bill Gates, but we're going to save that for a little bit later, I think, because I've gone for a while. Just going back to something you mentioned at the beginning, you said you used to be a libertarian, but you're no longer libertarian. Um, what's your reasoning behind that? Well, uh, a lot of people, um, well, first of all, I, I just had this one in a recent conversation Um where a libertarian argument can be made for just about everything. So what does it even mean anymore? Um, I listen to uh, uh, Pete a lot and uh, Pete Quinones, and I, I basically followed his footsteps in this, you know, um, in in this whole journey um, into, I guess, what they call post-libertarianism. And, uh, and it was a big conversation that he had with... Uh, matt erickson about uh christianity or sorry uh libertarianism being christianity without christ and that that was the footstep into this this whole thing a bunch of guys of course libertarian guys said uh, had a fit about all of this stuff but uh i i continue to listen and uh and enjoy this trip um the other thing whenever all of this tyranny came down people were making apologies for corporations the corporations are the ones that are are terrorizing us right now so you know it, you, do you want to side with the the corporations i i don't think you should be so sure in this um that it, it's it's all an orchestrated thing it's why they they you know klaus schwab always says public private partnership that they've got their you know they've got their guys in these corporations it's how they're going to roll out the uh the central bank digital currency and i think that uh that's another thing that that is really big in the footsteps of this whole mess it's it's required for everything to to go along as it will they have to change the money that's that's what the virus was really all about and um and so I think they're going to roll it out just like they rolled out the EU, uh, you know, celebrating 50 years of central bank digital currencies, you know, a week or two after they announced them um, because our money has been fake for such a long time and really integrating it into being something even more fake is, is not that it's not that hard. It's just an easy next step. Um, but yeah, I, I really think that, that as far as the, ideal of a way of things that should be run uh you shouldn't have the doors open to uh to bad behavior so much and you know i i don't like the idea of a of a government telling people how to be moral but i also don't like the idea of promotion of of things that are destructive to a society mm. it, i guess it's finding that balance right and that's what the key to life is in general is finding the right balance uh, and at the moment it seems very much off balance that's why everyone feels so uh, sort of uncomfortable at the moment because it is a really uncomfortable feeling what's going on um, well this was this all happened seconds after they made gay marriage legal it's like all of a sudden it's like oh well transition your kids now <laughs> so you know 
<laughs> That's right. Or your teacher will do it first. <laughs> and then what you say about the uh, central banks as well, it, it is literally... Um, all you need to do is copy the data that's in one system, the banking system, and then paste it into the central banking system. And it could it could have probably already be happening right now because it's that easy of a transition. The banks are all going to be involved somewhere or another in this crazy uh, scheme. So it's literally, we, it could, we could be on it right now without even knowing it. And then it's just a, trans, a, a, a sort of flick of the switch to say a rebrand of your money is now. Yeah, well, you're already seeing, aren't you? Because when you go to like the big chain supermarkets, a lot of them don't take cash anymore. Yeah, and that's illegal in the United States. And guess where? Guess where you can only use a card, and in order to pay for your fees, the uh, national parks. So if you go to a national park, uh, you can't pay in cash. Although the the cash says on it it has words that say this note is uh is legal tender for all debts public and private it says that on the bill <laughs> but the the national parks are the ones that are saying uh no you can't come in here because you don't have uh you don't have fake money from the from the banks so is it a law then so apart from the parks obviously you can't be uh card only or It was supposed to be, but I, I, I'm not sure how they're getting around it. I'm sure that there's, there was some, there had to have been some decision made to where that, that doesn't hold up in court anymore is my guess is that some, you know, some case made it to where that was okay. I don't know. Or maybe it's just like they do with everything, you know, uh, everything that they've done that just doesn't make sense. They just justify it with COVID, right? Yeah, since COVID, a lot of places are only accepting card because they used the COVID as saying cash was dirty and carried the virus as well. <laughs> but you, I'm seeing, um, do you know, you might not know, Ando, but there's a supermarket in the UK called Aldi. I think they're in the US as well. Um, but they've opened up um, Aldi Local which is a smaller version of the supermarket. Um, and it's, it's like an Amazon fresh store where there's no staff and you scan a QR code. You walk in, you pick up your items and just walk out the shop and it pays, like, does it for your bank account straight out. Um, so I guess we'll see a lot more of those popping up in, especially in the bigger cities. Yeah, I, I've been to one in the, uh, in the Chicago airport. They have a, a store like that. That's that's all run off of you go you go to the thing, you scan your uh your credit card, I guess. And um yeah, that must be how it works. You walk in, you just grab your stuff and go and uh and then get a receipt sent to you. Mm. Yeah, we're gonna see more and more stuff like that popping up. But then um at the same time, I suppose where I'm located at the moment is it's a bit easier to sort of just support local businesses as much as you can. But like that's running thin because they're just um, closing down all over the show. So it's going to get to a point where you can't even support local businesses. Local businesses are probably at the at the end. Like in 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 England anyway. Um, there's even. Like, I I don't know if you've been to England before. 
I, I haven't. My uh, my stepdad is from England, so I, I have some English perspectives in my life. And uh, and I guess, you know, uh, and I lived in one of their commonwealths for a year. So there's that. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, so he's probably spoke to you about the um, pub culture that we've got over here. Because the pub culture is crazy. But when you go out and suppose when I was younger and I couldn't even drink, I would you would go down the street and see so many pubs. But then now you go down the streets and all of these pubs are just closing left, right and centre. Um, but what's coming up is sort of like more established bars. Yeah, like chain bars. Chain bars are coming up a lot more. So that's something that kind of hits home definitely when you're in England because you're like, it's the end of the pub era. Like if, all I've ever heard about and all I've ever known is England has a pub culture and it's now coming to the end of that era and it's being replaced with, yeah, chains. <laughs> it's not... It's not um, a pretty sight, I guess. Yeah, that's thousands of years probably of of those pubs. You know, <laughs> I'm sure that <laughs> it's been a really long time that that was part of English culture. And uh, and yeah, that that I'm seeing that a lot. Um, that was the the thing about the they, people talk about the uh, the money transfer, how it went from the bottom to the top, and you know. Uh, of course, Amazon and Walmart and all of these brands survived that situation really well because they were the only places that you were allowed to go to. And and yeah, that's so that was kind of they had an extra layer there of of um, of help from the system. And I'm. I know that there was there was cases I was hearing about where people were not allowed to buy seeds at Walmart, and that's that's kind of interesting. There, they they just put tape around the seeds and said oh, essential I items only. Yeah, 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 I saw this, and then yeah, I was looking into that further, and they weren't allowed to buy books. They weren't allowed to buy educational things. <laughs> they were only allowed to go and buy yeah essential items, and what they consider is just you know, essential yeah just what they can they consider you essential that's you know that that is that was another thing that that happened during that it's i'm essential i had i had a piece of paper in my truck that if i were to get pulled over for something that i could prove that my activity was essential and i never had to use it no one no one ever asked me for it but the fact that that existed during that time was crazy yeah just the whole scheme of it all is uh, it's actually like I, well, sometimes I just sit and think back to it because uh, when you're in the moment you don't actually think about it the same way you do on up on reflection. But just sitting back and reflecting on it, it was <laughs> they would put some uh, crazy measures in place. <laughs> uh, yeah, back to Alex Jones. Uh, right when this started, and as far as Alex Jones goes, I I I like Alex Jones, I respect Alex Jones. I don't listen to every single thing he puts out. And I do think that he is somewhat controlled. Um, and, uh, and so he is, he's in his place for a reason, just like I was talking about Musk and, and, uh, Zuckerberg and just all these characters, Tucker, you know, you name it, all these guys that they all have their reason. There's a reason why they're the, uh, the, the main characters in in this whole situation. Um, I did suspect but... that from Alex because he's a big Trump supporter, and it, I know Trump got attacked a lot by the media, but I still think he's part of the establishment in some way. Oh yeah, 
Um, oh, yeah. Alex being a supporter of Trump is, a te- in a way, him supporting the establishment, which seems to not align with what he usually goes for. Yeah, I, I'll, there's so many people involved in this. Really, anybody that you can name off the top of your head, anybody that gets a lot of headlines is all involved in this. And and Trump being one of the main ones, it's, you know, we know that Trump enabled this entire situation. And that that's a thing that, you know, the alternative media constantly talks about is that, you know, OK, well, he he did do the warp speed thing. And a lot of the things that he says sound like a solution, but did we actually get any of that stuff whenever he did have the power and why should we give him power back if he doesn't know how to do anything with it? Um, and the whole thing really though, is I, I think that he's, he's being run, you know, he's obviously being run as, as far as I can tell. And, uh, and he does a really good job with it. He's, he's one of the best of the best, but uh, whenever the, the panic of the Rona came out, uh, I had, I was, uh, I had listened to Alex Jones back in the day, back in 2004 or five, whenever I was listening all the time. And he said that he would, they would control us with a virus. And then, you know, and you definitely didn't want to take the, the thing that came, you know, the, the vaccine, you definitely didn't want to take that. And I was like, okay, well, you know, this is what Alex was talking about all those years ago, like almost, you know, 15 years ago, I was hearing that this would happen and it, Oh, <laughs> sorry um phone mount fell off but yeah the um you definitely don't want to do that and sure enough i saw it happen in person so i guess you know he was right about something um he's actually right about a lot of stuff because most of his sources are are uh prime sources and you know it's it's the interpretation that people freak out about because you know he he is using you know the the big five and, and, uh, and all the other corporate news in order to tell a lot of the, the stuff that goes on on his site. These, these people openly admit their plans. It's like, you know, whenever you, you look at, uh, all this stuff from the world economic forum, they're just openly telling you this stuff. Yeah. Um, and then they're just assuming that a lot of the population are a bit too dumb to, um, to realize what it is sadly. Do you think they chose Alex because of his wacky and crazy persona? The average person would think he's talking crazy. Well, I don't know. I I, I think that, that that really helps him a lot. I mean, that's that's part of his brand. That's part of the reason why he has such a huge audience. Um, he he does it really well, um, and. There, there's another character in this is Rogan. Rogan's one of the people that that legitimized him, and you know he, he's always gatekeeping information. So I mean, when really you look at anybody, they're they're somehow embroiled in this, and I I wouldn't be surprised if some people are unintentionally embroiled in this, and they're they're not getting any sort of kickback for it. They're just you know they're just doing the what they need to do, and maybe they get guided every now and then. I don't. I always wonder about that is, you know, did they threaten Alex's kids? Cause you know, that, that, that could be a way to, to get to somebody, but maybe they didn't even have to. Yeah, it's uh, true. Cause um, I know when I listen to Rogan sometimes, definitely since he got the Spotify deal, 
I've, I, since he got that Spotify deal, I started listening to him with a little bit of a different ear. And you can see um, it's not fully fluid, the conversation, a lot some of the time that, that, that he's having with people. He is a bit sceptical about what he is talking about. And not so much what he's talking about, but how he's talking about it. You can see it's not as fluid as it probably once was when he was a bit of a smaller, on a smaller scale. Right. Uh, the, I heard that Graham Hancock had some episode that he was talking about some free energy kind of situation and that that Rogan wouldn't let it come out. And uh, and so that's happened since the Spotify thing. And. Yeah. Uh, so there's there's opposition, controlled opposition, and, you know, no matter what, just realize that you're in an op and and the circumstances uh, around some of these people, you you can like some of the things that they do. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to worship at the altar of of Elon or any of these characters. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What what do you think about um, the Bohemian Grove? Since you're um, Alex Jones, fan, or he helped you come to where you are today, what are your thoughts on Bohemian Grove? Because it's something I've heard about a lot, obviously, but I've never really properly looked into it. Well, I mean, that all that footage in there was real for sure. And it, it still happens annually. Um, one of my exes tried to uh, pull up to it and got turned away by, by some Secret Service people. Uh, or maybe they weren't Secret Service. They were something, though. They they turned her away. Um, yeah, they, I mean, that, they definitely have these meetings. I mean, there's the, the, the one of the main things that that it's funny because what led me a lot of ways to Christianity was seeing what these guys are up to and how it's always an occultic ritual, uh, things that require sacrifices, et cetera. And, uh, and their symbols that they throw out all the time. They're always throwing their occultic symbols and everything is okay. Well, you know, if the bad guys are real, hopefully the good guys are real. Right. So then I started looking more deeply into that and uh and understanding that satan is the god of this world and that's why these people get rewarded and that's that's why they live the way they do they're they're you know putting all these horrible things out there on purpose and uh they've got a bigger agenda and it all involves us being their pawns and uh and i don't like that and i don't think anybody should yeah one thing i've noticed since i started this journey is how much satanic symbolism is in um just mainstream movies and music it's so like there's so many and so many uh references to satan and even when they talk about god or jesus it's always in a negative way they have a curse in that saying oh my god or jesus christ like, in a negative way though after shocked about something Yeah, that's um, that that's the way that things are promoted. I mean, they're they're running their they're running their stuff on in the mainstream. It's it's really out in the open, and uh, and yeah, that's why it's 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 always a promotion of something terrible. Um, and why you see these, you know, uh, this this thing right now that's happening as far as uh this movie that came out, um. You're finding out that there's pedophile rings in the United States. Well, hey, it's been 
going on for a really long time. And this is adding some more light to it. Um, and the whole Epstein thing that comes out, all that stuff is occultic. That stuff is, you know, like there's not anything sexy about a child. There, There's nothing sexy about that. This is all for purposes of satanic rituals. That's, that's what's going on here. That's pretty obvious. There's nothing that like, there's no like, pleasure that they get from it except for like the depravity of doing something terrible to an innocent person mm. so do you think with the um i don't know how we want to say it for youtube but whatever um so, so these p rings that they've got going on do you think that's like a because the way i look at spirituality at the moment um on a positive light is like i'm leveling up um in positive ways and as i level up i unlock new parts of my brain which i didn't even know were there do you think from the satanic side of it, as they level up, they unlock darker parts of the brain, which involves this sort of uh, stuff um, that makes makes them feel like, well, for, for me to level up, I need to um, find attraction in this? Or I don't really know how to, how to put this thought out there without it just sounding weird, but you, you get what I mean, right? That like they level up into a point where they're like, well, this is what I need to do. And then they're sort of brainwashed by Satan or by the rituals to think this is how I level up. They're letting demons in. If if you have an idea of level up, it's, you know, they're, they're accepting more, more uh, entities into themselves. And maybe that, that comes with benefits that we get to see out here in, in the world to them. You know, maybe they, they, they're making contracts all the time. Um, and those contracts require sacrifice and they really like to do, I mean, they, they probably don't even like to do it necessarily. They like the power that comes from it. And that's, that's why this stuff is, is continuing to go on. Do, do you think um, we'll ever get Epstein's list or do you, do you think they'll either release it at a date where it's normalized to a standard that no one will care? Or do you think it will just get buried under and we'll, we'll move on from that list? Because it's something I don't want to let go of because I feel like it's because of Hollywood so embedded in our culture and so many role models are in Hollywood. And I've got role models that are in Hollywood um, from TV shows. So personally, <laughs> I would like to know. But then the rest of society need to know the people that you're watching and uh, looking up to on TV. This is what route they're going down. Well, if you go to antineoconreport.com, antineoconreport.com, that's Ryan Dawson's website. And he has a bunch of people that are tied to Epstein, a, a list that is, you know, is big enough. It, you know, it's it, it's probably not as comprehensive to tell you every single person that Epstein's ever had a, a shady interaction with. But he's he's got people that that, you know, are very powerful on that list and they're not going to get investigated. They haven't, they didn't even search the Island, you know, uh, the, the Island's still sitting there. There's probably still evidence there that, you know, they're covering up as much as they can possibly cover up on this. Do you know if they're, uh, are they protecting the Island? Like if me or you was to go there, would we get turned away? Yeah. Luke Radowski went there and uh and he ran around the island for a little bit and then uh and then some people started coming for them in golf carts so they 
got back in the boat and got away. Wow. Why do you think Netflix released a documentary about him? Well, Netflix has released a lot of documentaries about things. Um, I, I, I think one of the big things that Netflix does is, you know, they'll, they'll get you interested in, in some things, uh, because it's, it's, there is a, uh, what, it, what do you call it? Conspiratainment, I guess, uh, aspect to all of this stuff. And, you know, it's, it's things that people naturally want to know about, um, or they've got this friend who is constantly talking about, you know, what really went on and, and I'm like, oh, cool. Well, maybe I can learn a little something about this so I can actually have a conversation with this person. And they'll give you they'll give you nuggets, but you know, it, it's uh it's never uh it's never perfect. It's never gonna be uh something like something like what what Ryan would put out as far as as investigation on these situations. You know, you're not you're not gonna find Ryan's documentaries on Netflix. But Netflix is enough to uh, to quell your curiosity, and and then you don't really look any further after that. Ideally, in their situation, you know, it's um, I believe Netflix is one of their CEOs is uh, is uh, a relative of Edward Bernays, so you know, it's kind of funny how that works out. Yeah, I guess it's not just enough to uh, yeah, like you said, like, pique your interest, um, show you make you feel like oh you've got it covered you know that you know the knowledge you don't need to turn over any more stones uh or it's netflix is good at uh, where it's ended so then you move on to the next thing rather than i know how i came up with uh, into the world of conspiracies when through my teenage years i would go on youtube and watch i don't know just some random conspiracy theory and then you end up on this rabbit hole about six hours later into lizard people <laughs> so Netflix doesn't have the opportunity to to do that, so it's quite you're quite controlled in what you're consuming. Uh, so going back to pretty much the start of the pod when I asked you, um, I think Cameron asked you what awakened you, and you said it was around two thousand and two, around nine eleven. Uh, two two thousand three, yeah, two thousand three, um, but it was nine eleven. Yeah, well, it it actually started, I think. Uh, investigating uh, i was looking into uh aids being a psyop at that time and that led me to Infowars, which led me to alex jones which led me to all the uh you know all the 9-11 stuff and then and i was already sus so since i was already already had suspicions about the day and especially the way that they you know they they basically got to go to war with exactly who they wanted to go to war with, uh, whenever none of none of the hijackers had that lineage, so um, that that was kind of a an open indicator for everybody. And I I was against the war at that time. Yeah. So I'm just wondering if you can, can you explain to us and the audience um, any the most the theory you think is most sort of accurate around around nine eleven. Um, so I, I think that the, uh, the planes were hijacked remotely and that the, uh, that the guys were put on the plane in order to have their, you know, to have people on the plane that they could blame for it. So they, they had this whole, these characters, these people that had learned how to fly, uh, they, they 
weren't good at flying. And then, you know, they, they have this software called the promise software and um, it can backdoor into everything. So it just hacked in, boom, plane hits the building. And, you know, um, some people aren't going to like that. I think that the, uh, the, the building was pre-wired, but I think it was. So um, it, it just appears to me like it's, it's controlled. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't look like it was um, that it, it's, it's chaos that it's just falling from that. So I think they wanted the, the, the building to go down. It was pre-wired planes hit it. So we got to see the circumstance that caused it to fall. And then it fell. It fell exactly how they wanted it to fall. Do you think as well with 9-11, they used Islam as, as we've seen in the West over the past 20 years has been a real war on religion to try and sort of suppress it. Um, do you think they used Islam because Islam is quite a powerful religion? They used it to turn people against Islam. I I think that yeah you're you're always gonna find that as uh as an issue. The the Crusades have never been resolved, but there is one one of those three religions seems to really love pitting the other two against each other, so that that you know they never look at them. But I I think a lot more people are looking at that group that had, you know, their secret service uh, was quite involved in the 9-11 situation. But for some reason, it's never mentioned. It's never, ever mentioned whenever you're, you're talking about, you know, at least in the mainstream, it's, it's constantly being mentioned that, that they had their hand in it. So, um, but, you know, it, it, it's just a typical, you know, one group pitting their enemies against each other all the time. Um, I, I personally don't have an issue with them. I just want them to do what they do in their countries and us to do what we do in our countries. I, you know, I'm not really big on, you know, on just mixing everybody up. I think that that's, that that's where all the conflict is coming from these days. The clash of cultures, right? Mm. Yeah, especially whenever it comes to religion. Mm. Yeah, because people are very um, they're strict on what their religions teach, taught them in the past. And um, yeah, a lot of people don't like to adapt. We're seeing that with um, in the UK with the uh, immigration crisis that you've probably seen on the uh, internet that everyone's talking about. And the fact that Rishi just isn't addressing it as if he wants it to be a crisis for as long as he for as long as it possibly can. Um, so if you if you look at some of the way, like they're, they're giving hotels, and but the way they're living in the hotels, they're turning these, I think they're like three-star, four-star hotels, basically turning them into slums, uh, just from the, the, like how long they've been there as well. So. Just relating that to um, the point you made about depopulation before, do you think they're increasing immigration and illegal immigrants into countries, into Western nations or developed countries to make you feel as if they're overpopulated because schools and doctors are oversubscribed. So in a citizen's head, you'll think, oh crap, like, there's too many people, there's too many people, we do need to depopulate and people get behind the idea. It, I think there's, it's multifaceted. One thing, uh, like I said, the, the, 
the heavy fist of depopulation is war. That's that's the one that's the meat grinder. And that's that's where, you know, you're seeing that rubber meet the road in France right now that that there's, you know, open hostility on the street. Uh, but, yeah, it's you know, it, it is there's a million reasons that that they're doing it. But it, it, it always keeps, you know, keeping two sides fighting with each other is uh, or a multitude of sides fighting with each other. Uh, like I was saying the other day is that, you know, it's like you take an ant farm and you put different kinds of ants in there. Uh, whenever the ants fight, they're going to fight against ants that aren't like themselves. And they're not gonna, they're not going to be mad at the, the person that shook the ant farm. And that, you know, of course that is who, who we should be angry with. We should definitely be angry with the overlords, but whenever it comes down to the rubber meeting the road, you know, if you got angry ants everywhere, uh that are not not the same as you then you're going to and they're coming after you you're coming after them and that that's the main reason why they they keep us like this it's it's all plays into the the broader sense of things so we do a podcast with um a guy called mike we do like a a monthly series with him um he's got a podcast called no sound bites no sound bites allowed um and he is predicting a civil war in America in, was it 2027? Yeah, 27. 2027. What are your views on that? I, I could see that. I, I really enjoyed uh, y'all's episode with him. I, I listened to that the other day. And uh, yeah, he's a really smart guy. Um, the, I, I don't know. I, I don't like to give specific dates on things. You know, it's it, like one thing we we're talking about psyops earlier and how, you know, like, the alien thing coming out recently and we all know blue beam, right? We all know about it. So, uh, they've teased this out so many times. Um, they, they're teasing out as many psyops as they can tease out. Uh, but I, I don't know if that's to like increase the complacency or what, because whenever the civil war really, whenever any war starts, like, like right now, we're probably already in world war three. It just hasn't been openly declared and said, you know, um, and the civil war may have started with, with the, uh, the great fentanyl riots of, uh, 2020, you know, uh, it could have started then, but who really knows? Uh, I mean, really, you could even say that the civil war started in 2016. That was a really hot time too. Um, I don't, I don't know how crazy it's going to get as far as, as violence on the streets. Uh, hopefully what I think though, is that, that when you pick the area that you're in, you got to pick an area that is not going to be run by the government and a, an area that's not going to be run by the gangs. You want an area that's run by your neighbors. And so when it comes down to it, you got to protect those people and, and cultivate that instead of being in a situation like the government thing will be just, you know, they'll be dumping in rations and, you know, it'll be lockdown security crazy, you know? Um, and then the gang situation that could actually, I would, I would think the gang situation could be better off than dealing with the government. What, what was it that triggered in 2016? 
Oh, just the the Gamergate is really kind of like the salvo that that started all the the uh, the culture war in the United States. Not that not that there hadn't been a culture war the whole time, but that was that was the big one that that really kicked things off. Yeah, so I guess if you are in the middle of a civil war, I think it's the start of it. So no one's going to say, "Oh, we're in civil war now." Like it takes time for it to develop into something crazy if it does develop that far right yeah i i still don't understand the civil war i i don't understand how so many people uh so many people joined into it that's that's what gets me there just because you know if somebody told me you know i'm from texas if they told me that i have to go fight louisiana i i'm gonna like no <laughs> I don't I don't want to fight Louisiana. I mean I, I I'm cool with Cajuns. Uh but I yeah, I, I don't know how they built the propaganda that that led up to it that got, you know, got these people that that would kill for each other, you know. Especially when the culture was was virtually the same at that time. I mean that, you know, the north was more uh industrial and the south was more ag but still it was it was almost the same and you drive through a lot of that northern area you're gonna see a bunch of ag anyway so mm, yeah because you well we tend to as humans look at stuff from a tribal perspective but i guess when you can't join the dots you wonder what subconscious tribal things have gone on but without us realizing in, in that sort of situation so why do you think um, they're releasing the information now about UFOs? Why is now a good time for us to know that? I, I think it's just another distraction. Um, I, uh, there's, there's a bunch of things that a bunch of programs that they run that they've run for years that are going to cause things that we see in the sky to to look like something that we'd never seen before, you know, they've been running these, these programs for ages. Uh, I, I think it's just more of that. Uh, I, I don't think that we're in contact with, uh, with something from outer space. I do think that, that there's demons all over this world and that, you know, there's, uh, beings that we don't understand. There was a time whenever, whenever giants walk the earth, I fully believe that, you know, so there's there's definitely things that we don't see or understand, but I I don't think it's aliens as in like the the you know the alien that we see, which if you look at uh, Alistair Crowley's work, you can see he, he illustrated one of the demons that he summoned, and it looks just like one of those aliens. So it, it's very uh, he calls them the Lamb L A M. So I think that it's probably something more on those lines. Well, in my um, sort of recent rabbit holes around UFOs because of all the news, um, every sort of rabbit hole I've been going on recently has been leading me to Antarctica. <laughs> Do you have any information or any theories on what Antarctica is, what it's covering, what's past it, any, 
any uh, theory whatsoever because I'm getting fed a lot of different theories and they are super, super interesting. And some of them seem to have more legs than others, but I wouldn't really uh, write any of them off at this moment in time. <laughs> yeah, I really like Antarctica because I feel like you let your imagination just go like wild with what could be out there. Yeah, somebody made the point that uh, that the one thing that all of these countries, you know, because all the countries have this Antarctic agreement to uh, to keep people from going down there, and I, I think that that's that's pretty interesting. It's definitely uh, an interesting rabbit hole. I haven't I haven't delved into it as much as I should. I think it's I think it's neat, um, and yeah, there's there's a lot a lot of things that they won't tell you. Um, and also if there is land beyond, it plays into this false scarcity thing. Everything is built on this false scarcity and just every bit of conflict and, and uh, thing that they're trying to push as far as, uh, as this climate BS that they're, they're trying to use to uh, justify everything. It's, it's all built on some sort of scarcity. And, um, and if we find out that there is more, then they can't use the scarcity excuse anymore. So there's that. Yeah. Cause you could look at it that, um, they're scared of the Antarctica melting to reveal land basically, because the recent theory that I came across was that Atlantis actually, when it sank, it moved to, uh, Antarctica is and. There was a spell put on it, which turned it to ice. <laughs> uh, I I don't know about that, but uh, I I I know that uh, that this melt thing is hype. <laughs> Things are not melting like they say that they are. Um, that's just that's just something that they want so that they can tax you and uh, and and get us all on a carbon credit system, which will be a lot like the. Uh, a lot like the the social credit system, just how they like to do their things. Uh, more technocracy. That's that's all. All it is is a. That's how. That. That's how they're selling the fifteen minute cities by saying they're more um, environmentally friendly because you don't need to go in your car to go to the supermarket or to the doctors. I was just going to say the way I'm looking, the way I've looked at everything that's going on because it's all been such a vast amount of chaos is it's all just different spokes that put the same wheel because um, climate change stuff the cb central banking system the uh, rona it's all spokes of the same wheel they're not different issues you can piece you can connect the dots quite easily to them all <laughs> and, and we have done today can't we? yeah yeah that's um it's it's all the big boot you know and uh and it's you know, but we can see now we can kind of see who's all running everything. There's there's several several groups involved, you know, um, and luckily due to all of this stuff that we we get to see the World Economic Forum. But, you know, it, it it's definitely more than just them. And uh, and there is there's a lot going on and you can see all these these world leaders all on the same page. I mean, really, you know, would it would it be different if you just swapped out Trudeau and Macron? If you just put them in, you know, opposite countries, they would, they would run the place exactly the same. 
and they would run the place exactly the same as, you know, Gavin Newsom's running California into the ground. And that's just how, how that works. That's a, another thing as well. Um, the WEF, like, from what I've read, they've got ties with China, but the narrative in the West is we don't like China, but the WF have ties with them. So it kind of made me, have you, have you read, um, 1984? Yeah. It kind of made me think about that where they have a prolonged war all the time to feed the narrative to the, to society. Will we have a prolonged war with the East? That's just always constantly an ongoing battle. Whereas really the, all connected to each other and working with each other in one way or another. Yeah, it's they always like to uh, split it into two, and the the NATO countries and the BRICS countries will be at odds with each other. Um, they've got you know China, China and Russia with the BRICS. They have their own technocracy going on as well, and uh, and you know it, it, there's not really a good guy in the situation but i don't you know i'm more opposed to what this nato culture is doing at this point just you know the the war that they're starting and all of that um i'm not super high on china um but i i, I feel like okay so they're gonna fight they're basically the same thing i just think that I think that I just like I like Russia a little bit more out of all of this. Just I just do. Do you think <laughs> it's because we're more attached to NATO in the sense that we've been brought up to believe that we should trust our government, we should trust these um, higher establishments that have been put in place. We've been brought up so we can trust them, but we're seeing we've been let down by them. Yeah, we feel betrayed. We feel like we can't trust them now. We we should be attached to them, but we're not. So then we automatically look at the enemy as not a good guy, but as the better guy, because you're like, well, I know what's going on here. So we must be wrong because we're working out all of the crap that we're doing. Well, yeah, one side to me is, is, you know, there's the side that's putting, giving little kids hormones and, you know, and that, that's really the, the thing I'm seeing that. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't, I don't like what these globalists are doing, you know, uh, the other side doesn't seem to be doing that. It, it seems like that they have a little bit, uh, cleaner things in their food. Uh, they're putting all kinds of poison in our food. They, they want us to eat bugs. I mean, this is, this is not a thing that's not, you know, out in the open with them. They, they're definitely promoting that whenever it comes time for, you know, the UBI and everything like that, people will get bug rations and, you know, I, I don't like that side of things. Yeah. I think when the central banks come in, the UBI's come in, uh, cause that's all going to be intertwined. I guess that's when, from that point on, when they stated we're now on central banking, uh, digital currency, that's when you'll see the real sort of changes that were forecasting at the moment happen. Because it'll all be on a rating system, right? You've not bought enough bugs. Why are you buying real meat? Why are you buying real grocer's food? You need to be buying more bugs. And then obviously that's when they get the control of it all. And it's like, why are you driving your car out of your 15-minute city? Why are you driving your car anyway? 
because it runs on petrol, um, you should need to be using your electric bike and yeah, eating these bugs that Bill Gates made for you in a nice packet. <laughs> right. Um, and I'm all for bikes. Uh, it's just, you know, I just don't think that they solve all of the problems out there. You know, uh, I think I think people need to I, I think everybody should have one uh, for the reason that whenever these globalists end up cutting off our petrol, which they intend to do, it's going to help you guys get around. It's going to help people get around a little bit. Uh, it's not going to, you know, I've gone across the country on bike, but, you know, it not everybody's going to be able to do that. But you can at least, you know, get to areas where you can meet other people and, and you know, uh, solve each other's problems. Yeah, I, I like bikes. Um, we'll have to probably go electric bike. And yeah, I guess it's about, I don't know, implementing the small things into your life now. So when things do change, everything's a lot easier for you and a lot more, you're a lot more comfortable with it all because it's going to come as a huge shock for a lot of people. Um, obviously not the likes of us, but at the same time, it could come to a shock to the likes of us if we don't start implementing the things now and what's it, what do you say drinking your own kool-aid i think that's what americans say right <laughs> yeah uh i i think everybody should have at least some food put away uh just have you know have your food have your ammo have your the things that you need because anything can happen this is uh you know we're we're in a really weird territory as far as far as as the way this this is progressing and and like your friend uh mike said that there could be civil war in the future and if there is you don't want to be caught with your pants down and you don't want to have to join a side just because they are the side that has the resources because i think that that will be the side that that has all this fake money and you know if you have to be taken care of by the state then you know then they're going to expect things from you and they're going to, you know, they're going to sacrifice you for sure. That's, that's what they do. We definitely, like you similar to us, we talk about um, a lot of the darkness of the world. How do you stay positive in today's day? And how would you advise people that are joining this journey, this um, journey of reality? How would you advise them to to keep pursuing the uh, the journey and keep revealing the hidden truths of the world, but how would you advise them to stay positive on this journey? I think I'm naturally positive, and I've I've been so all of my life. Um, nobody knows, and uh, re just recognize that things could get a lot harder than you expect, and and be ready for that mentally. You have you have that to mentally prepare every single day that that you know yeah it's bad but it could get worse um have that in your head and uh and then also you know um pray and also recognize that what we have in this world is so much man we have we have so much and people before us didn't have all the cool things that we have and you know like I, I live out of a suitcase um because i'm traveling all the time 
and all the cool stuff that solves all these problems it, it it's pretty sweet so um yeah and then also just recognize that that humanity is is worth fighting for and you know and that that by that i mean the souls of humanity are worth fighting for um not the souls of the satanic pedos that run the world you know so yeah that's true yeah and when you say we have nice things i mean you've got to look at it where we're blessed that we have the technology that we're using right now to be able to be awake and to be able to keep pursuing the journey that we are doing because of the great technology that we have so the journey in itself is a positive oh yeah yeah um man uh there's just so much stuff i'm I'm looking around at all these things and and recognizing them as as luxuries because You know, there, there's going to be a time where you're going to have to learn. Well, maybe uh, this is all, you know, maybe they might have to learn how to uh, how to reverse engineer some of these things that that we're all exposed to. And the generations after us, it will be interesting to tell them about these times. I think that. Uh, I think that that we have to go back in a lot of ways because a lot of what's causing our problem right now is the technology and luxury and convenience. Yeah, we've been derailed with it all. Um, yeah, it's definitely going to be a good story because we're living through a monumental part of history right now. So it's kind of exciting when you look at it that way. <laughs> well, what's cool is that you you can go from one day you know, th these times where we're, we're entertained by looking at, at moving pictures in a, a tiny box that fits in our hand, you know, uh, and then we'll have to find our, ourselves entertained by the flicker of a fire again, just like, you know, the, like what we came from, what we are. Mm. Well, that could also bring us to a life of an eternal happiness, right? Because that's, us going back to our natural selves whereas we're so detached from that at the moment we're like I, I know the thrill of when if i'm at a barbecue and we light up a fire there's a just a weird thrill that you get yeah. just from you can just stand fire. around and watch that fire all night yeah uh have you guys uh looked into ted kaczynski oh man so he just died uh i guess it's about a month ago now Uh, but he was the Unabomber and his manifesto accurately predicts a lot of things and, and really does a good job of criticizing the society that we're in. It, it's, uh, understanding his perspective is, uh, I think, you know, he was, he was a super genius. They, they put him in the MK ultra program and, uh, and he's been met, he was messed up from that. And then he started apparently mailing these these bombs some people say that that he didn't do all of them but or some i i've even heard some people say he didn't do any of them but he uh he had a really accurate prediction of how this all would play out and why technology is really our biggest enemy yeah i think i, I did watch his uh his netflix documentary years ago Um, and then only recently I've been looking into the MK Ultra project, and I did come across his name again, being the Unabomber. Uh, but I've, I, it is something that's on my list to go down more of, because um, I've heard so many people talk about how interesting his perspective of life was, and 
and obviously you've just vouched for that as well. So something definitely to look into. Yeah, and uh, as far as solutions go, I think just just un understanding him is important. And uh, and I, I know it's it's one of those things. It's definitely out here now that especially now that he just died but he was before he died uh we've you know it's probably been about three or four years he's been on the tip of a lot of people's tongues and i think the reason for that is that that we're seeing a lot of his predictions come to fruition right yeah i'll uh definitely give it a I'll check that out yeah Shall we uh wrap this one up guys yeah it's been awesome really thanks for having me Oh, thanks for coming up, man. This has been great. Right, guys. See you later. Thanks for listening. Right. Cheers, guys. See you later.